We welcome you to Bible class this morning, and as we continue our study of Romans, this, wait just a minute, as we consider our, the book of Romans, we're in chapter 12, verse 6, 12, verse 6. Now, in the verses here that follow, we have a list of spiritual gifts, of gifts of grace. It says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. Now, throughout the New Testament, there are differing lists of gifts that God gives. And they're introduced, so let's talk about these gifts for just a moment before we get into them. In the church for a long time, people thought it was important for you to discern which gift you had. And there were massive inventories that were created that you would take them and at the end, it would determine probably which gift you were most likely to have. All that succeeded in doing was provide confusion for people because you would find out that you had a gift that you had never done in your life. And so people would say, well, have I been doing the wrong thing all these years? Have I not been using the gift that God gave me? It caused mass confusion and mass trouble. And it really contributed nothing to the positive, positive attitudes towards using what God has made you for. So... Before we start into this, what you're going to see is that many of these gifts overlap. And so if you're sitting there thinking, what is my gift? Stop. Because some of these you will realize you, you do and some you don't. The best advice is... When you are seeking to serve God, do that which you are passionate about, no matter what it is. Do that which you are most passionate about. And God is going to bless that. Okay? God is going to bless that. So let's start through these. All right, the first one is prophecy. Now, when we hear prophecy, we're always thinking, well, then that means you can tell the future. The word prophecy does not mean that. The word prophecy means to speak the word of God. To speak the word of God and apply it to the present-day situation. We would say law and gospel. Certainly pastors and teachers are about this. 
but so are all Christians. When you have discussions with one another, when one of you is hurting and you're trying to talk to them and you're talking about how God works through this or has worked in your life, you are a prophet. God is using you. So don't think that this is just pastors. Now, it says in proportion to our faith. The actual word is analogy of faith. Analogy of faith. In other words, the content of the Christian faith. That's the object. This really applies across the board. Whenever there is Christian discourse between Christians, there may be prophecy in that. God may be using you to speak a word, his word, to that situation. Okay? So it's not just some unique gift that some have and others don't. It is for all Christians. The next one is service in our serving. Okay? Service, the word there is the word from which we get the word deaconess, the aconia. Basically, it means what Christians do on behalf of others. That's what it means, what Christians do on behalf of others. All Christians are involved in that. This is not a unique gift for some. All Christians are involved in that. The next one is teaching. The one who teaches in his teaching. This is pretty much identical with prophecy. Supplying the word of God. Okay? Supplying the word of God. So it's very synonymous with prophecy. So is the next one, exhortation, encouraging, urging, bringing comfort. This too is related to teaching and prophecy. These are three speaking gifts, okay? The one who contributes in generosity. Basically, it means that the word we have here is give from. You share what God has given to you with others. Okay? You share what God has given to you with others. That is this gift. All Christians do that. The one who leads. The actual Greek word means the one who stands in front of. Proistemi. The one who stands in front of you the leader, okay? It could be elders. It could be a congregational officers. And the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness, acts of mercy are taking care of the sick, poor, aged, disabled, tending and caring for them. Now, you can see by this list of spiritual gifts, these are something, these are gifts that everybody, every Christian ought to seek after. Every Christian has done at some point in their Christian life. 
prophecy, teaching, service, contributing. So it's not that you need to figure out, well, I've got this gift, so I'm not going to do that anymore. Okay. Okay. I'm not going to do that anymore. That's not the point of this. That God gives these gifts as gifts to the church. And when the body of Christ is together and everybody is seeking to do these things, it's going to work out pretty well. It's going to work out pretty well. So, so don't try to make this, I've got to discern what my gift is. No. These are things that all Christians need to be about. Need to be about. All right, let's move on. Nine. Now, what we're going to be talking about here is the concept of love and the attributes of true, genuine, God-like love in this section. And this first section is very much focused on how we treat fellow Christians. Now, we're going to get beyond that, but that's where we're going to start. So the first is, love is, let love be genuine. The actual word is, love should not be hypocritical. Love should not be hypocritical. And the point is, the positive is, it should be genuine. And the word is agape. So we're dealing with God's perfect love for us, and we are to seek to emulate that in our lives. God's perfect love in Christ for us serves as the foundation and motivation for all Christian behavior. It all begins with God's love, perfect love for us. That then empowers and enables us to do likewise. Now, we're not going to be perfect at it in this world. But it's not just an example. Don't think of it as just an example. It is empowering. It, it is empowering. And his love for us in Jesus Christ is what makes the difference. All right. Abhor what is evil, hold fast to what is good. The words imply that you are revolted by evil. You are revulsed by evil. It makes you sick. Okay? You don't want anything to do with it. That should be our attitude towards evil. Okay? But then it, on the other hand, it says, hold fast to what is good. The word is cling, cling to what is good, cling to what is good. Now, the world's got a problem with that. Just listen to the news. 
there's a whole lot of claiming the evil. And there's a whole lot of abhorring the good. And our prayer needs to be that we pray for government leaders who know good from evil and who abhor evil and cling to good. That needs to be our prayer. Okay. All right. Then another quality of love. Love one another with brotherly affection. In other words, this is familial love. You need to love others as if they were your natural brothers and sisters. And that we are together as a family. It means to treat and love everyone as family. Remember, the word brothers, sisters, means from the same womb. And the womb is baptism. So we are to love each other as natural brothers and sisters. Okay? Outdo one another in showing honor. Outdo one another. Take the initiative in honoring others. In other words, our speech should constantly be full of honoring others for what they do and say. Not ourselves others, holding up others, building up others, outdo each other in honoring each other. In other words, another, next time you come up to church, somebody at church, you just smother them in compliments. Just smother them. They'll get sick of it, but just smother them. They will think they're the most wonderful person on earth. That's what this means. Outdo yourself. Have a contest. How many of you can compliment others more than the other? That's what it's saying. Honor each other. Build each other up. It's just the opposite of gospel. Okay. Or what I call a church parking lot talk. Parking lot talk, it is by nature inherently evil. Okay? I, it, it never leads to anything good. Okay? Parking lot talk. You, you're, you're better behaved in the narthex. But when something happens when you get on the parking lot, oh boy, that hymn just stuck. Well, or whatever. You see, Satan's attacks are to get us to forget everything that happened in church. Have you ever noticed that the worst possible family fights you've ever had are in the car on the way home from church? And it's Satan. He wants to destroy everything he heard. So instead, just outdo each other in showing honor. Do 
not be slothful in zeal, be fervent in spirit. Interesting Greek words here. Fervent is actually the word for boiled water. And what it's saying is, don't get caught up in passive laziness. But a good translation would be, allow the Spirit to set you on fire. Allow the Spirit to set you on fire. Okay? In other words, you want to be on fire for doing, for loving others, for honoring others, for serving others. Let the Spirit set you on fire. Okay? All right, stop me if you want to ask anything. All right. Be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Okay? So let the Spirit set you on fire. Rejoice in hope. Now let's talk about the word hope. We've had before, but just as a reminder. When we say, you say, well, I hope we have steak for dinner. That is a wish. That is a wish. That's the usual way we use hope. Hope in the scriptures does not mean wish. It means confident expectation. That's why in the funeral service you will hear the words, the sure and certain hope of life everlasting. Sure and certain. Because the hope that we have in God is not based on a wish. It is based firmly and totally on God's promises. Firmly and totally on God's cross. So, uh, so Paul is telling us to rejoice in hope. To rejoice in the hope, the sure and confident hope that we have in God's promises, not based on us. We are unreliable. We are sinful. There are promises we make that we want to keep, but we're not capable of keeping them. God's promises are always there. He always keeps them, and he is totally capable of keeping them. So our hope as Christians, is the confident expectation and the promises of God that, of course, are rooted in Jesus Christ. Now, what he's saying here is this. Rejoice in hope. Be patient in tribulation. Now, what it actually says is, in hope. In other words, when you're in a time of tribulation, boast in hope. No matter what the tribulation is in your life, you have the hope that's given you by God. 
no how no matter how difficult things may be, you can have hope. Because it's not rooted in the things of this world, it's rooted in the promises of God in Jesus Christ. So in the face of tribulation, we have hope. We have confident expectation based on the promises of God. And be constant in prayer, holding fast to prayer. So, when you're in a time of tribulation, Paul is saying, you have hope in the promises of God, even in the tribulation. So hold on to that hope and pray. Hold on to that hope and pray. Prayer is given to us for the the, the distinct time of tribulation. When we are leading our lives and things happen that are out of our control within our lives, then we come to God in prayer. But we come to God in prayer because we have the hope of that he has given us his constant presence, the forgiveness of sins, life everlasting, so that in our lives we can face these tribulations in hope and in prayer. And in prayer. This is, this is what the gifts that God gives his children. He gives you, he gives you prayer. And so that's what carries us through the times of tribulation. The hope we have in God and coming to him in prayer. Now, is that going to make everything okay? No. They still may be difficult times. But that's the only thing how many times have you heard people, people are going through very difficult things in their life and others, and they will tell you, I don't know how I got through that except my faith in God. I would have never gotten through this without God's help. We've heard people say that. That's what this verse is expressing. That's what this verse is expressing. So these are very practical statements for our everyday life, okay? Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. In general, what it's saying is contribute to the needs of the saints even if they are strangers to you. Even if they're strangers, you don't know them personally. Fellow Christians that we don't know, as well as those that are not Christian. So when you give money for disaster relief in a hurricane, 
That's exactly what's being talked about here. Hospitality was a major theme throughout the Old Testament. Would always show hospitality to those that came to you. So this is to show hospitality to other Christians. And now we shift to how do we deal with the rest of the world? 14 following gives us some different applications for dealing with these things beyond the believing community. Okay. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse them. If we go through all of Paul's writings, Paul viewed persecution as the norm for Christians in this world. He viewed Christians being persecuted as a normal part of this world. But don't trade evil for evil. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Now, why is Paul saying this? If we had to sum up this section, we're going to look at this, it would be treat unbelieving people in the world with love and kindness so that they will come to repentance and faith. So that they will come to repentance and faith. The goal here is not to repay evil for evil. We bless them because we want them to come to repentance and faith and receive God's gift of grace in Christ. That is the ultimate Christian goal of love. That's why Paul is saying, bless, don't curse. Always keep in mind that the person you're dealing with is not the real evil. Satan is. And he may be using that person against you. The ultimate evil is Satan, the world, and our own sinful flesh. So Paul wants us to treat others in such a way that they will see a difference. Now, we're going to get farther down here in a minute. It's going to be spelled out even more. Okay? Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. In other words, whatever they're going through in life, you go through it with them. But you don't rejoice in other people's misfortune. 
And I know from time to time, we've always all said, well, he got his. He deserved. That shouldn't come out of our mouth. That shouldn't come out of our mouth. Okay. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Now, what we believe he's talking, he's talking specifically here to this congregation, to the, to the people in Rome, Jew versus Gentile. Jews thought they were better than Gentiles, but once Gentiles came to faith, they thought they were better than Jews. So what he's saying is, live in harmony with one another. In harmony, okay? Do not be haughty, do not be proud. And the reason is, whatever worth you have comes from God. The only worth we have is that Jesus Christ died for us and shed his blood for us. It's the only worth we have. Other than, I, other than that, we are sinful, lost people. So, you can't look down on others because God does the same thing for them as he does for you. And without God doing it for you, what do you got? Nothing. So don't be haughty. But associate with the lowly. Okay. Our identity comes from God. Not how much we like ourselves. Okay. And we are pretty bad about tearing down others and make ourselves feel better about ourselves. Okay. Never be wise in your own sight. I'm just going to leave that there. You know what that means. Okay. You know what that means. Repay no one evil for evil. But give thought to do what is honorable in the sight of all. Okay. Do not strike back evil for evil. The words actually imply be preoccupied. Be preoccupied with doing the honorable. And the honorable here, the word actually means unobjectionable blameless or excellent blameless or excellent so again this thought of you do not eye for eye tooth for tooth thinking is gone if possible so far as it depends on you live peaceably with all now this statement means at times it's not going to be possible you're going to try your best to live peaceably with others, and it's not going to happen because of them. Paul is taking that into consideration. But as far as it depends on you, you try to live peaceably with everybody. 
even if it's ultimately not possible, because if it's not possible, God's not going to hold you responsible if you did everything you could possibly do. He's going to hold the other person. So it's not always possible on your part to fix every relationship and situation. But you should try as far as you can. 19. Beloved, never avenge yourselves, but leave it to the wrath of God. For it is written, vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Okay, that's a quote from Deuteronomy. We are not to take vengeance. We are not to take vengeance. God will handle it. And why are we not to take vengeance? Because sometimes we would be wrong in doing so. Sometimes we would have misjudged the situation. Sometimes we would go too far. So vengeance belongs to God. Okay? Not evil for evil. Now, the next one really puts it in perspective. To the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For by so doing, you will keep burning coals on his head. Now, the point of doing good is not to make your enemy feel awful. That's not the goal in any way, shape, or form. The goal is for them to see a difference. For them to see a difference with the ultimate goal of them realizing that they need to rip what they've done. And hopefully you heap burning coals on their head so that they realize they are in error. And they repent. Or they ask you, after all I've done for you, why did you treat me like that? Then the door is open for you to win. You see, this section is to get the Christian's thinking of a higher goal. That the ultimate goal is that every person come to faith in Christ. Even those that do evil to you, even those that you consider enemies, to try to win them to Jesus Christ. We could see that Paul did that at times. But that's to be our ultimate goal in this world. Leave the vengeance to God. He'll have for now. We have a short time to try to get the gospel to others. Verse 21, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. Conquer evil with good. 
because that's what leads to repentance and faith. This is our goal. This is a present tense, which means it's an ongoing process and endeavor. You are, it, it's not a one-time thing. It's a process. It's what we go through every day trying to overcome the evil with good. And it's not easy trying to overcome the evil with good. It's a constant battle for us as Christians. We have to fight every day. We have to fight every day to overcome evil with good. Ultimately, isn't that exactly what God did? He overcame evil with his love shown at the cross. And that's then what he calls Paul to do and what he calls us to do as fellow Christians. And it's hard for us to think that way, isn't it? Hard for us to think that. It's hard for us to change our natural sinful mindset to think that way. It's very hard. But it is love empowers and his love strengthens us to do just that. All right. Questions, comments. I've done all the talking. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Well, not really. His question is, Jesus was kind of, well, he, he made it clear, don't be too wordy in prayer. Be, and then we're saying, be constant in prayer. How, how, how do you balance that? Well, I think balance is in remembering the general things that we have to about prayer. When we get worthy in prayer, what we usually do is tell God how we want him to answer. Not a chance. When we pray, we cannot prescribe to God when to do it, how to do it. He does not take orders. We simply lay before the need, the need before him, and he will handle it in his way and in his time. Now, let me ask you this question. How many of you have ever prayed and prayed, being all worried about something, and then it never happened? Never happened. We have to be careful when we come to God, we simply lay the need before him. Lord, I can't do this. I need your help. The best prayer there ever is, God help me. God help. God, I can't do this. You take care of it. And then, as soon as your prayer's done, don't go out and try to fix it yourself. Give it to him. God, you fix it. You help me with it. Few words. 
You don't have to describe the whole situation. He knows. But be constant in constantly knowing that he's going to do it. Constantly saying, help me. I don't have to say anything else. Help me. So that's the way I'd answer it, Paul. That is correct. He knows what's in your heart and mine, and you can simply say, I'm hurting. I'm hurting. But he knows. Yeah. That's right. Yes. Yeah. That's right. No, there's not. Oh, that's right. There are so many things in the world that we have absolutely no control over that we pray for. You simply have to leave it in his hands. And when he believes the time is right, he will act. And it's funny how things seem so complicated in our lives at times. And 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 even when we've fallen into the trap of telling God how we want to do this, then it gets resolved, and it's a way that we'd have never thought of. He knew the way to fix it. We don't. We don't. So, all right, so next week is chapter 13, and that deals with government authority. Okay, for the first seven verses. That'll be a lot of laughs. Yeah. This whole chapter on dealing with reminds me of the fact that if we let people around with you are never going to tell them about God's love. The, the exact opposite is that doing you will sometimes letting God's love or which you couldn't do if you're always going to be about fire. That's right. If you're known to be a vindictive people, a person who gets back at others when you feel you're wrong, if that's your reputation, how are you going to share the gospel? How are you going to share the gospel? But if you're always the other way, there will be times doors will open. But you're basically a person known to the, in this world. How are you known? How do you react to things? Paul says, be a person that's known for overcoming evil with good. And then you may have opportunity to share the gospel. Yes, that's right. The, qu- the, the thought is, if, if you have a problem, pray once, and it's before God, and you don't have to pray anymore. It's done. Now, uh, we could do that, I think, if we had perfect faith. But I think we'd have to come back and probably say it again at times when we feel like nothing's happened. But let me, let me say this. You can't badger God until he does what you want. 
Yes. The unfortunate widow, she badgered that judge. But it doesn't say badger God. He was an earthly judge. He wouldn't listen to her. Now, remember that God has three ways of answering, and one of them we hate with all our hearts. Yes, no, and wait. I hate it. I hate it. Let's do something here. Wait. God will act in his time. Yes. No. I told you what it meant. She badgered the judge. Don't think you have to badger God like he's not listening to you. He is. Okay. He is. He is listening. But he may be making you wait before he answers. So you may keep badgering him, but he blacked in his time. But you don't have to badger him, okay? You don't have to badger him. He's going to answer in his time, the way he sees fit. And let me warn you now, God loves to wait to answer till the last minute to see if you trust him. Loves to wait till the last minute. I'll tell you this story to close. I'd been dating Joanne for many years in college. It was time for me to either put up or shut up. So I had absolutely no money to buy an engagement ring. So I thought I'd be a man of faith. I was studying, you know, so I said, God, I've got to do this. So I went down to a jewelry store in Fort Worth where I lived, and I ordered an engagement ring. And I said, that was Christmas. I'll be back at spring break to pick this up. Well, spring break came, and I still didn't have a pet. Last day of spring break came. I had to go home the next day. The jewelry store was open that day only. My dad comes in and I said, he said, I've been mean to tell you, I, I filed your tax return and you got a refund. Here's the check. It was for the exact amount of the rank. Last minute? You betcha. That's the way God works. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen.